Hello and welcome to Four Spikes. As always, I'm your host Jonathan, along with my co-host Greg. Say hi, Greg. Hey. And and who do we have today? So, um, uh, a, a becoming a, a pretty good friend of mine, uh, a level one judge from um, middle of nowhere, Illinois. Sorry, bud. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jarrett. Uh, yeah, Jarrett can do his own uh, introduction um, shortly, and then we also have the infamous Sam Stoddard. Uh, from In Contention podcast, uh, along with a number of other places, um, other uh, magic-related things. Um, so yeah, Jared, if you can give a quick bio and uh, tell our listeners about yourself, and then we will move on to Sam. Uh, sure. I'm like you said. I'm a level one judge from <laughs> the middle of nowhere, Illinois, uh, and a wannabe PTQ grinder, uh, which is where I met Greg. Uh, and that's about it. Okay, and uh, that's cool. And you, you're also starting to be a level two, right? You're going to be taking your test soon? Oh, uh, yeah. I plan to take it at Denver. Uh, nice. Uh, GP Denver. What What actually, just quickly, what goes into kind of the preparation for your level two? Have you taken the test before? Uh, no, this will be my first attempt. Um, from what I'm told, the interview is a harder part like uh, than the exam. So, I mean, I'm still going to study... Like the IPG and mm-hmm. and stuff. Okay, cool. And so the interview so is probably just kind of testing your like interpersonal skills and communication and your ability to like effectively communicate with other human beings as opposed to just being able to like write off test scores and that type of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. Well, that's interesting. Um, and uh, Sam, uh, let's hear a little bit about you. Uh, you have had a very uh, kind of long uh, history in, in magic, and you've done a lot. Um, and for anyone that doesn't know already, and as Greg mentioned uh, just a while ago, you are one of the hosts of In Contention, which is a phenomenal podcast. Anyone who is not currently listening to it should. It's definitely one of the best out there. It's in my top three. Um, so, Sam, what is what is your history in magic? How long have you been playing for? Uh, I've been playing for... It's just, I have to update these every year because I, I can't remember back. It's like, I think, 17 years now or 16 years. Because uh, it started with, um, what, Dark, Revised, that era. And I've been playing ever since. With I mean, there's been like a break or two somewhere in there around, uh, I think, something Masks. I took a break around Prophecy. But other than that, you know, I've been playing PTQs since... Jesus, Weatherlight, maybe earlier, and yeah, oh yeah, I mean like, I got really lucky, um, Columbus is at one, is where I live, is one of the real big epicenter for magic, it's uh, it's nice because there are a million cities within three hours driving distance for PTQs, we have uh, Detroit, Pittsburgh, uh, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Louisville, Lexington, Wow. And and so like, if you want a PTQ, you can PTQ. Uh, very early on, one of uh, the, the people who sort of I learned about competitive magic from uh, this this kid Jess Means. He actually won Pro Tour LA Two Juniors Division, which uh, beating a a very young Zvi Mauschwitz mm. in the finals, which he said was three hours in the lights and the most uncomfortable experience of his life because <laughs> this was this was pre shaven Zvi. Oh wow! Sixteen-year-old. Was, was that when Z, Z used to be a thick brother, wasn't he? 
Yes. Well, this is this is before Zvi was even Zvi. This is like uh, he was, I think, sixteen years old or something, and and uh, apparently is he did not still sixteen year old, sixteen year, sixteen year old. <laughs> he may look like it, but he really does. Like, I mean, he looks he looks like a little kid. He doesn't talk like one. Man, his voice is uh is definitely deep, but he he looks like a uh, he looks like a little kid. Right, but that ever, but since that, you know, they, he was obviously after that really involved in the whole, well, the junior PTQ scene, and that was before. This was pre-junior Super Series when there was actually junior Pro Tours, and so because of that, there are all these people who are also qualifying for it, and I got involved with that. And unfortunately, the junior stuff died shortly after that. It became sixteen, or like it became sixteen and under, right, before, right as I was turning sixteen, and then after I turned eighteen, it became like eighteen and under. So I never really got to play in much of those, but. Uh, you know, I, I was, I won my first PTQ in, oh god, uh, Saga Block. So, okay, so was that like high tide or, no, Saga No, it, it, it was, no, I, I mean, until pretty recently, like, I played nothing but limited. Okay. If I, I, like, if I look back in my, I looked at my, uh, my DCI history, and I think I have something like 20 standard PTQs, like 15 extended PTQs, and like, 80 limited PTQs or something. <laughs> wow. And, and I mean, and like, uh, uh, my pro, my, my PTQ top eights, I think I have three or four constructed and like 20 some limited. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I was definitely, like, I would just not even play construct, like, whole constructed seasons just because I was never, I never really had the money for the cards and I just didn't really want to test it. I just wanted to draft. So, sure. Uh, but I, I won a, a PTQ for London, but that was before you got playing tickets. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> And like I, it was, and it was a two slaughter, and I we split it and split the money, so we each got one hundred twenty five dollars. And then because uh, Nick I, Nick Isel had won the first PTQ of that season at Origins, and he uh, said he got a ticket for two fifty, and so I was real excited. And I got online, and I was looking for tickets, and it was like eight hundred dollars. And I was just going to college; I was like about to enter my first semester of college, and I was just like, okay, well, <laughs> hey, mom and dad, can I borrow seven hundred and eighty dollars to? <laughs> No, you don't London. understand. I'm going to be at a hotel all day uh, playing cards. That uh, it's totally good investment. Yeah. Yeah. So they they if you're they send me abroad for one thing. This should definitely be it. Right. So they no served that, and then I, and then like once I got into college, I sort of didn't play as much Magic for a while, and then I uh, got back into it. And actually, my the the second PTQ I won is for London again, but it was London in 2005, mm-hmm. and that one I did get a plane ticket, so I got to go there. So that was. That was a little more awesome. That is awesome, and uh, yeah, I mean that's you know it's always just one of the great things about this game is um, now that they give the plane tickets, the ability to travel uh, is just phenomenal. But uh, when you were when you were playing Saga Block and you got your friend, do you remember what deck you drafted or what colors at least? Uh, it was a red green deck. What's funny was that oh, red green uh, was just that was definitely the way that was the way to go. Red green fr- My friend who was on was on my um, he was on my left. And I was, he really wanted to go. And I was kind of like, well, I might go if I got, if I, if I won. And so I shipped him the nuts deck. Mm-hmm. Like it turned out that we ended up sharing a, like sharing green, but I, I shipped him like, uh, like a, like a second pick pestilence. And like I was just like oh, shipping right. him. And pestilence was like common back then, right? Right, right. And so I ended up trying to give him the best deck I possibly could mm-hmm. because I knew he, I knew he really wanted to go and he would be able to go. And I was kind of like, well, if I can afford to go, I'll go. Mm-hmm. And and then I, I tried to I tried to get him qualified, and and he he lost in the first round. So I was like, okay, well, <laughs> I guess I'll go. And then he didn't. But so yeah, red green was a, was a great for that format. They just had such such good beaters. 
Um, black was also, of course, phenomenal. I mean, well, black was black was the the most ridiculous color. I mean, you could have four to five black drafters at the table, and right. they'd all have just ridiculous decks. Like, you know, seven of the ten best commons or so were black. Right. I, well, I always felt black was overdrafted back then. I tried to I tried to dip out of that. I liked going into blue because they had a couple. They had a lot of tricky. Like they had a lot of like it was uh, one blue um, and bounce uh, one of yours and one of theirs. Yeah, curfew. Curfew. That was yeah. Block, right? I that was saga love block. That card. Well, blue was nice because you got to just like you got to realize that back then people were so much worse. Right. And you had actual tricks, and so I can't tell you the number of rescinds that killed my opponent's right. winding worms. Right. Right. Exactly. Because like, they would always just have some bomb. <laughs> That was like Echo Six, and they right. would just run it out in turn six, and you just casually, you know, bounce a land and just pass the turn. They would just get so <laughs> frustrated. Well, that's why green was was that was one of the worst parts about green was all the Echo green and red actually had a, had a good amount of Echo for that for their good stuff. But yeah, rescind was and also even cycling for two in a pinch is fine. Like it's it was yeah, blue had a lot of solid cards. That was well, a good set. I mean, the thing you're always terrified and limited for that set was your opponent just playing turn four processor. Right. And you, with, when you were playing stuff like blue, you could like you could legitimately win solely on your opponent on the back of your opponent's processor. Right. Because they would always like name the wrong number first. Right. They were, like there were right numbers and there were wrong numbers, and like anything over ten is obviously wrong. Right. Even ten is like pretty much always wrong. You always almost always wanted five or seven because at right. that point it's not like they're blocking it with anything large enough that matter. And you can, and but they would like run out and name ten, and you'd rescind it, and they'd run it back out and name like five. Right. And at that point, you just have like a two-two flyer in the play, and you'd race them. <laughs> oh man, good times! Yeah, that was a great block. That was a lot of fun. Um, have you had any recent PTQ success? Uh, I haven't had any recent PTQ success, but I also haven't been playing as many PTQs. Like, it it was a lot easier to do it when I was, you know, in in college, and I I had. Or even when I was just like right out of college and I wasn't like taking my job that seriously and I was just sort of bumming around. It wasn't, it was, you know, I didn't have a girlfriend, so it was a lot easier to just be like, okay, I'm just taking this week off to PTQ. Uh, I try to go to at least a few a year. We'll see. Like, I'm, I'm, my goal for this season is to get to, I don't know, f- at least four or five, but I haven't, I, like, I've gotten a lot of, um, close, closer calls with P, with PTQs recently, but I haven't been like making a lot of top eights. So I hope that pretty soon I can do better, and, I'm, and the online ones too should be nice. It's just the PTQs, though, I'll say right now, are just so much harder than they used to be. Just doubling the number of people, yeah, I is, know, is quite an interesting impact. And and until and again, I used to just pretty much solely play limited, and which has just recently changed. And I really have not liked the last few limited environments for PTQs. Like the last one that I well, the last one I really liked was Lorwyn. Really? And ever, yeah, I, I loved Lorwyn sealed, and I just felt like I felt like it didn't really matter as much what your deck was. You could always, what your pool was, you could always sort of construct it in a way that mm-hmm. that would would give you a chance at top eight. Because uh, you know people tended to be a little too greedy, and you could take advantage of that. Like I almost always played aggressive decks because I would get like these mediocre sealed decks, and I would just play with them really aggressively, mm-hmm. and I would not let my opponent. That give them the chance to sort of get all their synergy together to try and 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 win the game, but then ever ever since that I've just not like I felt that shards was not at all good for sealed deck. It was just a haymaker format, right? And whoever had the sort of the more top end bombs would would win. 
and um, and certainly Scars has not been anything. Like Zendikar was, like, you know, I, I liked it at first till everyone else figured out that Black Red was the deck to play. Right. And then it was just like, I know I I would only I went to like I think two or three PTQs for for uh, Zendikar, and I would get these okay decks, but I mean they were just not capable of winning of getting top eight of a two hundred and some person PTQ. I think I had one that got really close and I lost in the last round for top eight against a deck that was just, you know, far superior to mine. And I, I, you know, it was a fairly close match, but you know, it, it when the opponent has like more removal and more bombs than you. Right. And you know, the, the best you can hope for in Zenikar was that they missed a few land drops, like right. <laughs> anything else. And, and, and yeah, scars is just the, the worst ever for sealed. Like, yeah, it's, agreed. It, that's that's funny because I totally disagree. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, if you open up well, it's awesome. Well, right. um, okay, so then I've opened up well every time I've played. Well, which I think, might be possible. I think. Uh, I mean, I think the point is different than that's that's very subjective. But I think the other point that it sounds like you're making, Sam, which I agree with, and and let me know if you're not making this point, but also make it is that it's it's also a haymaker format, but it's also a format that. It's so much less skill intensive than another, you know, than than Lorwyn or a lot of these other formats because you can just open, you know, four Galvanic Blasts and three arrests, and that's that's fully yeah, possible. Yeah, I, I I disagree with that. I mean, that that actually I think is is, is um, getting you know distracting the point even more. Um, now, what I do agree with that it is it is a format that is um, taking the concept of sealed, which Let's 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 separate what sealed is from from you know what scars sealed is. Sealed is bomb dependent. This is like if you open up well versus opening up poor, there's going to be a, a, a big difference. But what Sam was getting at, in, 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 on, on my from my perspective, is that he felt like there was um, more of an ability for skill to become a difference maker in some formats where. Um, Bombs aren't necessarily don't actually necessarily mean that much, whereas they do mean something in in scars. But that's not it. Like I just think that the big difference with scars is the fact that not that it's lacking skill intense uh, and lack, lacking skill is that un- unlike formats where you try to play everything and you've got half of your rares sitting in in um, you know in your sideboard along with these uncommons with color from colors that you're not playing that normally are, are pseudo rares I mean pseudo bombs all of those cards not being relevant in in scars you're literally finding a way of play hello or or, or making um we, we missed the, uh, part of your feedback Greg do you want to say that one more time uh, I guess I don't know what you what you missed, but the long and short is that I think that the, the big difference is that everybody is forcing into their deck more bombs than the equivalent um, other format. So yes, bombs are a bigger part of the equation, but so too is understanding that that just means that before you play, you play some of your conditional removal and all of your other removal, and here you play all of your conditional removal. You just have to play around an understanding that everybody's going to be playing every kind of bomb they possibly can fit into the deck, and as a result, there's, um, you know, the games the, the games are different. It's a different format, but the reality is it's it's just 
taking a part of sealed, which is a, <clears throat> a very bomb oriented format and exacerbating that piece. I, I've had, I've played, um, every PTQ that I possibly could within a, a five hour range with the exception of one in Minnesota, which ironically was like one of two, <laughs> one of the two PTQs that Jonathan went to. Um, and, and I, and I, I mean, I, I, I probably played, um, IRL, uh, 15, 15 plus sealed events. That's not even, that's not even close. It's probably, it's probably closer to 30 events between, um, Nashville and, and back. I mean, I just, I, I, I've played a lot of the format and I've had an absolute blast. Now, yeah, you, you well, Greg, but no one's no one's contending that you didn't have fun playing sealed. I think just saying that this well, is a very actually, bomb I think that was, that's actually more of a root of, of the conversation. Well, it, because it, most of what people what say is that it's not fun because it's so bomb oriented and lacking well, skill. But fun, and is, I don't, fun is subjective. Like well, I, I, I can I, have I fun opening one type of you know format, and someone can have fun opening another type of format, and that can be different, and that can be okay that they're different. And I think that what you're saying is kind of you know, it's a very specific point, and that that makes good sense. But it's kind of different. We're we're like boats passing in the night here. Um, but uh, Sam, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just yeah, wanted to make I, that point. I think my issue really is that it, it, there's almost two sealed deck formats in Scars. There is the like standard sealed deck format, and then the, like I opened up a retarded sealed deck format. Right. Like, the, and I think a lot of the problem is the six packs. Like, I really am fully against six pack sealed. I understand that logistically they have to do it because tournament packs are the worst thing to ever to deal with logistically. But what happens is that you get this, your odds of getting, like, when you were playing once, even, like, shards, uh, a starter of shards and two boosters of shards, and that was still a format. Mm -hmm. When you opened up, you know, your seal pool, you'd usually have a huge number of commons that you have one of, and, like, maybe three or four you had twos. Every once in a while you'd you'd have a triple of something. But now, I mean, everyone's sealed deck just has, you know, like, it's not uncommon for people to go, okay, my seal looks okay, like, I got two Goblinic Blasts, two of this, three of this, and that just didn't happen before. Right. And so there's a, it's, it, what happens is there's this effect of where it used to be much more evening in terms of what your common pool was, it's just not anymore, and now it's much more uh, sporadic. So you might have, you know, three Plague Stingers in your sealed deck, and that's not a big deal. Right. Like, that, that, that happens all the time. And so, uh, especially when you have these PTQs that are, 200 people at them, what happens is there ends up being like 25 decks that are just not even the same league. Or the, I should say the pools. I shouldn't say the decks because, you know, decks are made by people. Pools are, are given to you by, you know, the grace of God or whatever. <laughs> and the, these there's like 25 pools that if anybody competent gets them, uh, if, if they're given to a good player, that player is going to top eight unless something crazy happens. Well, and that's and that's the thing is that that's, that's you know, to piggyback off your point is that no matter how good you are uh you if you don't have three or more like bombs bomb rares or mythics in your deck i think that you're basically out of contention in this format and i feel like it's much more so in this format than it has been in other formats which is why i i personally don't like this sealed as much but i can understand why other people do especially if they're cracking master cores you know left and right or whatever oh but i mean uh, one i i guess as, as a counterpoint i mean the the reality is that this format does have have cards like Alpha Tyranix, the dinosaurs that are not rares that you can make into pseudo rares and stomp decks with cards that you just mentioned. I, I don't think that you need to have the the bomb quantity that that you just uh, you just mentioned. I 
I've I've piloted decks with just an absolutely abysmal pool and and still still done well. So I mean, and and and, and I don't think that it's my skill, <laughs> you know, strictly my skill being significantly better than the PTQ field. That I that that I, I severely doubt. So right, but- I, I I think that my skill is is is, is a. Is, is a part of it, but the reality is I don't think that it's as bomb, um, bomb heavy. I mean, I don't know. It's, but I, I think that saying it's bomb heavy is kind of a cop out. I think there's been a lot of really bomb heavy formats. Like if you ever play, if you play during onslaught block, the the qual like the bombs you get today are just not even close to something like Basara the Dreadful because there were something like two cards in onslaught that could actually kill Basara. Three if you include your opponent's Basara. You know, like getting an end play first, like that. That was it. The, it was just a format where if you there are certain cards if you played them, you just couldn't lose. Like that doesn't happen in this format. What's different is part of, and it's partially because of again the six packs, is that the sealed pools tend to be much less even than they used to be. Right. And so, like you might, you know, you can get Alpha Tiernaxes, but you might also just not get any other green cards. Right. You know, and this this is what happens now. It doesn't didn't used to happen where, like, if you look at uh, when you play during something like Lorwyn. You know, you would get a pretty good cross section of the environment every time you opened up a sealed deck, and you just don't get anywhere near that kind of cross section now. You get things that are much more, for lack of a better word, lumpy, right. and you have to sort of hope that you get you know good the, the lumps that work together. Because if you don't, I mean, you can always make it work by just having really bad mana and hoping to get there. <laughs> you know, which which I think is a valid strategy. Like, I think there's a certain there's a lot of strategy to what sealed deck you build. I don't think there's ever you can say, well, this is the correct seal. Like, this is a, the most powerful seal deck in a vacuum. And a lot of times, it's, it's this is the best seal deck for this for this tournament. Right. Like, this is the one that the the man is greedy, but I got to play more of my removal, and I'm just going to have to hope to get there because I can play this really fair deck that's going to sort of curve out every single game. But I can't. But I can't be better cards. So well, I can't and, play that deck. And the other thing is, I think that this. I, I think that this format is a little less skill intensive for two reasons. One is, as we you know, as we already mentioned, the I'll say the second reason first. Actually, it's it's kind of more of a subtle thing, but there's a lot of nuances that go on to that go, that go into other formats um, that have less artifacts per pack. And this having, you know, you can have a, a, a pack that's like Arctrail, Galvanic Blast being your only red cards, and a bunch of you know mirror throughout your six packs, and you can just say, oh well. I don't really have to choose between all these red cards. There's like four incredibly playable. There's like two that are incredibly unplayable, and there's you know the rest of these great artifacts that are either going to ramp me into my bombs or going to hold down the fort, you know, or my wild tango cords or whatever. But I think part of it is the subtlety of having so many artifacts per pack, and that um, it, it changes the equation quite a bit. I think the other uh, thing is just you know as I said and and you know, Sam, I think maybe what you're getting at is, I guess, and it would be hard to do this, through, you know, consistently throughout as the other sets get released, but maybe just for the first one, for the main set, going down to five packs, and I think that that would uh, definitely do a better job of um, kind of mitigating that uh, disparity that you're referring to. It, it actually makes it a lot worse. Really? Yeah, because the thing with the thing with six packs is that you have about the same. You get a, f- a few more cards and stuff, but you get about the same odds of opening up any single given common with six packs as you did with a starter deck and, th- and two booster packs. But so if you do five packs, your odds, your, everything becomes even more lumpy. 
like I, if you, if you really want to do it well, you'd have to open up like seven packs or something or eight packs, which would, uh, even out the, which would over time, the more packs you open, the more even everyone's sealed deck becomes. So five, what ends up really happening is there might be less absurd decks, but those decks are harder and harder to beat. Like if you're opening up, uh, like, you know, it's like if, if those, remember those four pack seals I had on Moto? You know, if you opened up three Galvanic Blasts, three arrests, and a four-pack sealed, right? Like my God, like how is everyone, anyone ever going to beat you? Right. And it's the same issue where you know you. Ha- I think six packs is kind of the right number. It's just that not using starter decks makes the whole experience a, a little less good for everybody. And it's something that I mean, the only way to fix it really is just to make better sets that are that play better with this whole dynamic. Uh, and scars might be a problem again, because you can't like you can get four or five you can get five red cards in your pool and play red. You know right. if you, if your five right. red cards are like arc trail arc trail blast, you know scrap uh, or oxidia scrap melter and uh, furnace dragon. Right. You're red. Like it doesn't like you can't just say like well I don't know if it's, it might be greedy to play red because I don't really have a lot in red and how am I going to pair this? You're like oh I just play a bunch of mirrors and some some uh, spell bombs and then I'll just play red because I have. Five good red cards, and you, you know, uh, previously in other formats, you'd get punished for that by having, you know, having to play a bad three-color deck, and now you can just still play two colors and only play the, you know, the very, you know, cream of the crop cards that you get. There's no decisions on, you know, that you can be es- essentially more greedy because of the artifacts. Right. That's part of part of part of my um, my issue with with the the narrative right now that you guys are are, are generating. Um, other than than this, I mean, it's it's really around this skill intensive comment and and the fact that um, we're representing that. Okay, so obviously red is the is is the most important color, and all I would need is to have a small quantity of the the most bomby red cards. Quote unquote. Um, I'm not saying this is exactly what you're saying, but but that's I mean the narrative is generally that say red or or white or whatever. All I need is to have these 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 real key pieces and. Before I would get punished if I tried to make to, to fit these small pieces in, and now if I have them, I can play them. Yes, but that is that is true. I I, I I don't believe that it is not true. But the the part that I think is being missed is the fact that you very well may also have in that exact same pool seven other iterations of of decks that are um, are not intuitive that you could also manage to to work out with the artifacts with the mirror and and potentially more consistent um potentially more powerful and potentially just a better build the i think that it's skill intensive in in a different way unlike unlike normally where it's it's hard to make a deck that runs at like at a mid-tier level um or not hard, but it's but it takes some effort and takes some um, skill to make a deck just run, and it's very easy to have an absolutely atrocious deck, and then it takes a lot of skill to get to to that top tier quality um, in terms of build. Whereas in this case, you've got less of a less of a difficulty to get from that that first tier to a a, a runnable deck. You've got so many playables, if you will, but at the same time, I believe that. Getting to the level of of like the optimum build is actually more difficult than it is in other sets because you have so many playables. I actually think that the the fact that there are so many playables and you have the ability to potentially do this, that, or another thing pr- provides a unique dynamic and a unique atmosphere that creates for 
a a high amount of skill, and and that is where when we talked when when I referenced fun, I'm talk I, I find that fun because I I I like the decision making process, and I like um that a lot of people that go through that decision making process keep really insane cards in 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 their in their sideboard because they found oh well there's this cute interaction that isn't isn't that great but a lot of people would concede is is fine so removing the fun portion of the argument i i think that it is skill intensive but in a in, in a unique way that isn't generally a factor for a number of other sets Man, i mean you can say that for any set in magic anything in magic has has the very is easy easy to build and that has insane quantity of playables and is hard to to well, build any, any set in magic um you can say any block or any any set has uh, a wide variety of of builds and iterations and that's why magic's awesome um, that being said, in that context, not in a vacuum, but in that context, comparing to other sets and comparing to other formats, I just think that this one is much more luck-dependent and much less skill-dependent than other formats. Although, yeah, I'm totally course, shaking my head, but we can move on. Well, well luck-dependent? That, that, yeah, we're. I mean, we're just like I. I mean, I, I, I just totally disagree with that comment. That's okay. And that's not. And that's, don't get me wrong. I don't think that there, we have. I think that we have a few different opinions here. But, uh, Jared's been fairly, fairly quiet, and I think that there's, there's actually some some significant difference between the two of your opinions as well. Right. Um, like I think this but, is a skill-intensive format. It's just that you have to be in the same tier of deck for it to become skill-intensive. Like if that's my fair. deck. My deck, if my deck is one of the, if I have like five bombs in my deck and you have five bombs in your deck, we can probably have a really good match. Right. But if I have two bombs and you have five bombs, then I'm, you know, I'm fighting an uphill battle the entire way. Exactly. And so it, it becomes less skill intensive in that, and that just, and just that the distribution of, you know, I, I would play one on one sealed all day long, and I think it'd be a really skill intensive format, and there are a lot of different builds. Mm-hmm. But I think that if, if, you know, when I'm playing in a 200 person tournament, and there are enough people with these just so much better, better sealed decks than me, that if I, you know, if I'm playing for, to make top eight, I've got to go X one on one. And I can basically only afford to, I can afford to pay two people with Insano sealed decks and one of them has to, you know, mess up or, or get some bad luck because, you know, it's going to be really hard unless I have a really good sealed deck to beat two people with super insane builds. Exactly. Well, that's uh, very well said. And I think that that makes the point perfectly. And, uh, you know, we, we, like Greg said, we can move on, um, to our next topic now, which is, uh, going to be extended. Um, and, uh, you know, Jared, I know that, uh, you, um, you know, you're talking before about, uh, you, you know, you just had your, one of your first legacy tournaments, but have you been looking at the extended season at all? Um, I've kept up on like the basic metagame, uh, just, just to have something to do, like watching coverage, but I don't really play extended, so. Has there, um, from, from the, the coverage that you've seen or what you've been looking at, has there been anything that's really caught your eye that you didn't expect? Um, I like that Jund can run Kitchen Finks. <laughs> I, I think that's really fun. Like, I'd cascade into that all day. Nice. That's true. And, and yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting how... It, I, I've found it kind of interesting just from a purely kind of, like, I guess, academic approach in a sense of... Jund, like, Fairies was so dominant, or at least that was the talk of the time... You know, statistically, we can look back and challenge that a little bit, but Fairies was so good and so dominant, and then Jund was also format-definingly dominant, and it's kind of fun that they get to play against each other. I don't know. I kind of dig that. But, uh, Sam, I know that you are kind of our resident extended master here, and we'd love to hear your thoughts. We talked a little bit last time about um, 
kind of different decks that we were looking at, Wargate and whatnot, but what would you say are some of the um, top-tier decks to look out for right now? Uh, definitely Mythic Inscription. I mean, it, uh, Todd Anderson's doing a s- series of articles called like Bringing Back the Boogeyman, and that really is kind of a, a good description for Extended. Uh, fairies is good. Um, I think the top tier is Fairies. Jund may be top tier. I think it might really be more tier two right now, though that can change throughout the format. Um, the Mythic Inscription deck, uh, the Green-White Trap deck is really good. Um, Blue-White uh, Blue Control seems to be doing well. It, it top-aided our PTQ yesterday, and it also won the online PTQ. Uh, mono, the Mono-Red deck is uh, is going to be a dominant force until people don't want it to be. Which I think actually might be just be how extended works right now. I think that there's a lot of decks mm-hmm. that are going to be the dominant force until people don't let it be the dominant force anymore. Mm-hmm. Like Fairies has um, really been taking a huge hit recently. Mm-hmm. In the last, like the, I think the last online PTQ, the top Fairies player was 14th. No Fairies top eight at our PTQ, and it's because everyone is currently hating on Fairies. Mm-hmm. Well, and can, can you actually go into some some depth about that because? Um, specifically when it comes to fairies, um, my, my interpretation of the field is that it's fairies and everybody else. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> now, I, I think me wrong. There's a lot of 1.5 that can just get there and not just, and not randomly, but in terms of, of quality, uh, like card quality and, and list quality, synergy quality. And I don't necessarily understand what, uh, what pieces can, can truly just destroy fairies. And it's, and it's because I don't know the format and I'd love to hear some insight as to what, what types of things have just been destroying fairies? The, the big th- thing problem fairies has had, especially recently, is that it has a hard time with creatures. Um, especially, you know, and and they have cyborg options. Like you've seen, you know, the, the big innovation for fairies at, at Worlds was putting Wall of Tangle Cord in the sideboard. Um, but they still have a lot. They still have problems with like. The, the red deck, it's a very good matchup against fairies because it just goes turn one goblin guide, turn two, you know, play a geopede. And then fairies can't really play a bitter blossom into that. Like that's the worst, worst, worst idea ever would be to play, your opponent goes turn one, you know, goblin guide, turn two, play a geopede and you play a bitter blossom because by the time that really gets, you know, you're skipping your whole second turn, by the time it gets online, you're going to be facing down like eight points of damage and your bitter blossom will end up killing you. Um, so the Jun decks, I've seen a lot of Jun decks that have been doing well actually Increasing their their creature count and reducing their spell count, just because fairies, you know, it can't constantly deal with onboard threats. Mm-hmm. It's really good if you can if fairies can get ahead slightly. It's really good at maintaining that lead, but it's really bad at catching up. You know, cryptic command and uh, misbind click only can only take you so far. And if you're, it, it just doesn't have wrath of gods. Right. You know, it doesn't have. Uh, there's not really any life gain in it. You know, blue black right now just doesn't have any. Life game that's available to it. You know, if you're playing white, you might be able to play something. Well, they, they used to play Warhammer. Not legal. You know, yeah. If, if I could play and Warhammer and no, fairies, yeah, and there's no Warhammer anymore. That's right. like so huge, but no one's ever talked about. It. I haven't talked to people about that. I mean, that. Yeah, Bog that actually is, mentioned that in conversation yesterday. <laughs> um, how he he picked up the he picked up a the, the list, and the list is very much so how it was the last time he played it. Um, it's, it's very, very familiar, but missing just that one piece, and it and it runs quite differently as a result. The 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 uh, the mythic inscription decks that I saw yesterday, a lot of them are actually going to main deck stag, hmm. uh, because everyone's running cryptic command, 
And the idea sort of is that if you, if you can force out a Sovereigns and you have a Stag in play, I mean, they, they can't, like, cryptic to bounce your Stag once it gets a conscription on it. You know, they can tap it. They can tap your board and counter your Sovereigns, but you just put a lot of pressure on them with that Stag. So, and that, of course, you know, having main deck Stag against Fairies is pretty insane. So, I mean, and just I think that Fairies is just not... I think every... All the decks that are doing really well right now are doing really well partially because they were all built with the idea that fairies needs to die. Mm-hmm. And that has, they've been doing a pretty admirable job at, at keeping it down. You know, and it, with a metagame like this, you know, the, it can change. You know, it could be in three weeks that, you know, fairies has figured it out. Like, there was a blue, white, black fairies that got ninth at our BTQ because uh, a bunch of people apparently can't do math and drew themselves out. I think three people did that. And, you know, so, but it was playing, um, I think in the sideboard it had Wall of Omens as opposed to Wall of Tango Cord. So, you know, basically the same effect except that it draws you a card. Right. And, you know, and, and for the mirror matchup it had Esper Charm so it could, uh, you know, force uh, non, you know, non-parity between Bitter Blossoms since that's what the mirror match is all about. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think that Fairies right now is no longer the boogeyman. I think that uh, the the format's actually incredibly balanced. I think that you know, and, and whether or not it's the there's a Simpsons uh, where Mr. Burns has like I think it's the Three Stooges syndrome where all the viruses are trying to rush in and they get stuck in the door at the same time. <laughs> right. And I feel like that yeah. could be what extended is right now, where everyone's like so busy like hating on every other deck that it works out to a really nice format. And the second that that you know it doesn't that something changes, it might just completely shift into a way that makes everyone just you know want to die. Like Mirrored and Besieged could come up with a deck that just you know, ruins the format. You know, like like last week, no one had anything against Mono Red, and Mono Red won two PTQs because nobody had life gain. You know, the fairies decks were not concerned about stuff like disfigure. They were, you know, someone were playing Pepper Smokes and were playing Grasp of Darkness, and neither of those does very well against the Turn One Goblin Guide. So they were all just losing left and right. And you know, that deck just did well. And then this week, a lot of people had stuff in their sideboards, like the the decks that were playing, uh, like. Uh, I think one of the blue white decks, or a couple of blue white decks that were doing well in the, in the, in the rounds, they, they went as far as to play Firewalker. Cause they didn't want to lose Mono Red, cause they figured everyone was going to play Mono Red. And, you know, Mono Red can't be, it's hard for me to Firewalker. Mm-hmm. It requires you to, you know, bring in Leyland of Punishment, which is just, you know, not a good card. That's interesting. And, uh, there's been a couple, I, I've seen a couple, um, someone was talking yesterday about, uh, some of the like Grand Architect combo decks or Pillapala, but there there hasn't really been a lot of combo in this season, which is cool. Uh, there's that uh, Valakut deck, which you know is, I mean that's that's kind of what we got. But are there any other uh, viable ones out there? Uh, well, there's like a bunch of different Valakut decks right now, and I think that that's probably going to stay. Like the, there was a red green Valakut that top hitted RPTQ. My friend was actually playing the um, it was. An aggro version of Wargate that had bitter or not had Bloodbraid Elf and Night of the Reliquary. Bloodbraid Elf with, and Wargate. Yeah, and Bloodbraid Elf, Wargate, Night of the Reliquary. Hmm. Um, and so the the idea is that and and plays like Ponders and but it didn't play Mana Leak or Crypt or uh, Cryptic Command. Played those instead. So the idea is that you can um, in the Wargate mirror you can sort of Bloodbraid and just get them down. Or that um, seems like a little bit of a Nambo. No, it isn't because you. Well, you, you can Wargate. cascade into Valakut. Right, you Wargate into Valakut. Oh, 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 of course, you can just cast it for zero to Valakut. I'm stupid. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha, right, and, gotcha, and gotcha. basically, like Bloodbraid Elf always hits either 
Prismatic Omen, Ponder, uh, Preordain, or Wargate, or a ramp spell. So it, it just right. comes out on turn three, gets another ramp spell, gets in for three damage. And since you're not really scapeshifting to kill them, it actually speeds you up a bit. Mm-hmm. But he lost to the traditional battle kit because while his combo might be better against decks that have disruption, he didn't have enough to dra- disruption. And the, the, the traditional Valkit, just four scapeships, four prismatic omens, four, you know, four Valkits, four primeval titans, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, he just turned forward in both games. <laughs> you know, well, I, I don't know if he turned forward in game one, but he, uh, yeah, he, he somehow he top decked, like it was like turn five and he top decked scapeshift to just, to kill him. But, you know, and, and so, you know, one of the scapeshift lists is, is really only good combo deck. And I'm sure, I'm not sure which one is the best. They all have their upsides and downsides, but. So we just so we got we got our Valakut based combos, but is that is that pretty much is that pretty much it for the format right now? Yeah, I mean, Pyromancer's Ascension is like, it's a deck. I'm just not sure if it's a real deck. Mm-hmm. You know, it it very well if with fairies sort of taking a, a downturn. If if the Valakut decks take a bit of a downturn and people stop running enchantment removal, then I can definitely see Pyromancer's Ascension coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of decks that are kind of on the cusp that are, you know, like, like, um, John Medina was talking up, uh, Polymorph. Yeah, that's, that deck seemed great, the, the, the fairies one. The problem with Polymorph is that you, is people are already, pr- uh, already boarded for it because they have all their fairies hate. You know, like, the difference between Vandillion Click and Polymorph, or not Vandillion Click, uh, Mistbound Click and Polymorph right. is that, uh, you know, you can cast a Vendillion, uh, 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 Mistbind click, and they can respond with Volcanic Fallout, and you're like, okay, well, I'll just now I'll activate my Mutable, and then I'll remove that instead of one of my Bitter Blossom tokens, mm. or I'll remove my Bitter Blossom. Like, right. when you target, you know, your Bitter Blossom token, and they cast Volcanic Fallout, they just fizzle your Polymorph. Right. So, I mean, I think you lose to all the same cards while not really getting enough of an advantage over it. Like, mm-hmm. those kind of cute, like, what it looks like one deck, but it's actually another one. Are usually only really great when surprise factor. right when the surprise factor and they're right. trying to do something that's actually different. So they bring in the the wrong hate cards and you're like ah, <laughs> you thought it was you thought it was creatureless blue white, but I'm actually just like Revelark blue white. Right, right. You know? and that doesn't work. You know, because they're like, well, they're going to board up their wrath and then I'll just kill them with creatures. Well, that doesn't work when you're just like, well, you thought I was going to champion uh you know this for a a, a misbind click, but I'm actually just trying to use it for a bitter blossom or for a for a polymorph. But it's just you know. All the same hate cards kill it, so there's really no reason to play it. Plus, I think that you still have the same weaknesses as fairies, and you just don't have... Yeah, I don't think you have any of the advantages. And, and, and really, as long as people are still playing Jace the Mind Sculptor, Emrakul, that's not being cast... You know, that's not being actually cast off like a, a Windbrisk Heights or something, right. it's still like kind of... It's, you know, it's kind of bad to tap out for... You can't like just go turn four Polymorph because you're tapped out, because they'll just, you know, they go, okay, well, Jace the Mind Sculptor, Bouncer, Emrakul. Right. And then now you've got to get your Emrakul back in your deck before right. you can go off. And you have to get rid of their Jace. So you can right, and you have to get rid of their Jace. So I, I just don't I don't feel like uh, like that's at all reasonable yet. Okay, well uh, the let's let's uh, give a little bit of time to my favorite deck in the format right now, which you uh, mentioned in your list, which is the Tokens deck, uh, the green white one. Uh, and for any of our listeners that haven't heard yet, um, can you go over that one quickly? Yeah. Um, there are a couple different variations, but most of them, the the the, the ba- big thing is it's got Summoning Trap, Primeval Titan, Baneslayer, uh, four Emrakuls. Uh, it's got between 
uh, it always plays four Windbrisk Heights. Sometimes it plays uh, one Mosswort, sometimes two Mosswort Bridges. Night at the Reliquary. Um, then, uh, then you have like just the maximum number of mana things. You have four High Arcs, four Birds, four uh, Lotus Cobras, four Nest Invaders. And the idea is that you just go, you know, I, ideally you go turn one, you play like a Birds of Paradise. Turn two, you play a Windbrisk Heights. Then you play um, like a Nest Invader. And then turn three, you attack with all three tokens. You flip over Emrakul. You take an extra turn, and then you kill them. Also, the, that I'll say that the, the two of the people who were playing Mythic Inscription, one threw a cast Emrakul in the Swiss. Through a cast Emrakul? Through a cast Emrakul. They, they, the, wow. Their opponent flipped an Emrakul, took the extra turn, 15 them, made them sack six permanents, and they still lost. Wow. Like, you know, with the power of, obviously, it's the power of, uh, Sovereigns of Alara, not needing any other lands in play. So they, they would cast the Sovereigns, uh, and then they would, you know, they, the other part guy would just get his turn, try, you know, try and kill them, and he would just get them, like, you know, three life, and they'd be like, alright, well, here comes, you know, here comes my Lotus Cobra and getting a Mythic Conscription. Alright, wow, well. That's epic. Yeah, and so, so, you know, ideally, the idea is that, you know, that you, you, you get it early enough that they have to sack their whole board, right. something because there's not there's nothing that one mana that will actually deal with an emerald. Well, and but well, that's that's true, Sam. But one of the other points of the deck, I think, which which you mentioned about the fairies, you know, deck earlier, is that it does pack a lot of creatures. I mean, it just packs a lot of creatures. So that's also you know I think a pretty good route to victory. It's pretty aggressive. It can get a lot out early, and it also has powerful you know Bane Slayer. Um, it has it has some power to it, right? And so, yeah, and sometimes you just you know obviously you're flipping over your first Windbrisk Heights, you know you get four cards out of you know like the the fifty some that are left in your deck. So it's not like you are anywhere near even chances to hit an Emrakul. Mm-hmm. But generally the idea is that you either hit uh, a Primeval Titan, an Emrakul, or a Summoning Trap. So Summoning Trap will usually get you pretty far down the down through your deck to try and get an Emrakul or a Primeval Titan. And if you get a Primeval Titan, then you just get Windbrisk, Windbrisk, mm-hmm. and you and like the you know you just got to keep digging and digging until you uh, you know until you get some of the one of the combo cards. And it it has done fairly well. I think it did. It was might have been a little bit better before people realized what the uh, the deck is out there. Like there's it's very interesting. Uh, what goes on when your opponent goes turn one forest play and plays like a noble hierarch or something? Mm-hmm. Like if you don't reveal that you're playing the trap deck and they don't know you're playing the trap deck and they think you're playing mythic, mm-hmm. when you go turn two lotus cobra and they mana leak it, like you can really blow them out. Like that that's <laughs> happened to me on Magic Online where I thought I put my opponent on mythic and so I mana leak their turn two lotus cobra to very very bad consequences. <laughs> well, and there's not there's not a lot of non creature targets in the deck anyway. Right, right. I mean, you're going to hit, you're almost always going to hit something. And like, even if, like, the, what's the worst case scenario is, uh, besides nothing, you know, you either get a second Lotus Cobra, you get a Ninth Reliquary, right. so which who then searches up more, uh, more of, the, you know, of your hideaway lands. Like, the hideaway lands just over and over again, like, you just, you know, once they start getting ahead, it's really hard to catch up because all of a sudden they're just, you know, Here's another Primeval Titan. Here's which is going to get two more Hideaway Lands. Okay, well now this this now I'm going to get Primeval Titan. It's going to get some like it's going to get three Man Lands to go with my Hideaway Land. Right. You know, so now I've got three Man Lands to play. Even if you Wrath of God, I can still activate all my Man Lands, attack, and then flip up something over. And it it just it just stays in the game really 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 well. It seems like the only way to really beat the deck is to um, sort of shut it down early because it, it does play a lot of Mana Dorks. 
well, which yeah, can be a negative. Yeah, Fallout is obviously very good, and Fallout's still, I think, being played uh, pretty consistently. I mean, Av like Fallout is, is 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 very good against the deck, and there's you know Pepper Smoke is fine. Um, there there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of hate that can be packed in for that deck, but I just think it it uh, it's it it has a lot of versatility, which I like. It has different routes to victory, and it also has. Um, a kind of card advantage without having to play blue, you know, being able to, I mean, aside from obviously, you know, playing Primeval Titans, um, playing, uh, you know, a Knight of the Reliquary that can get man lands and whatever, playing Elspeth, but also just having those hideaway lands is just awesome. I mean, that can really um, give you a lot of options even later in the game, even if your if your board just got swept. And and it also applies like a fair amount of pressure early. I think it's just very balanced. It's consistent. It's good against uh, the the field. And I think that's you know definitely my favorite deck. But I was saying earlier for this for the uh, having a lot of creatures in the deck. I also meant that that kind of shuts down the mana leak or uh, option because you know what are you going to mana leak? You're maybe they're packing Elspeths. But besides that, pretty much everything's a creature, right? Yeah, well, I think you even have to probably board out mana leaks against that deck because you, you just you can't risk turn two mana leaking something and getting right. getting getting summoning trap. So I think that you almost have to just go down to the bare minimum on counter spells just so you don't get into random awkward situations where you you know you try and stop you slow their deck down and just end up an Emma crawl in your face on turn two. <laughs> so um, I, I want to say my my friend who played blue white yesterday he had was playing main deck t- uh, twisted image. Really? Yeah. And oh, that's he, so tech. His and that's <laughs> he. I saw him blow someone out in the Swiss, and he sits down for top eight <laughs> against Mythic Inscription, and his opponent wins the play, wins the die roll, goes turn one, uh, uh, turn one higher. <laughs> he untaps, plays a land, twists his images it, and his opponent just flips out. He's just like, do I just leave now? I don't understand. Like that is savage. And then like as oh, as wow. like at some point during the game, like, he kept just rattling off random draft commons. Like he was at, like he was like attacking the. He, at some point, one of the, during one of the games, he's attacking with the bane slayer, taking him down to one. And he's just like, seize the initiative? Like, what do you have here? I don't understand. You know, but That's yeah, and, and he said he was blowing people out with it all day. Like, I think he got a ball lightning down to a 1-6. Oh, that's so clever. You know, I, and I'm not sure it's it's I'm not sure it's worthy of a main deck slot, but. Right, main it's, deck seems a little extreme unless it's a strong, you know, meta game call, but as a I mean, sideboard cycles. option. It cycles. It cycles, that's but, true, and, and it cycles for one, which is nice, but I mean, uh, even even still. You know, a blue mana doing nothing can can be relevant. Right. But I guess I mean the fast decks you you do want it against. You're blowing out birds. You know, you're blowing out hierarchs. Yeah, if there's really a, if there's a whole lot of those in the format, then you know it's worth playing. And you know, you save two damage versus a Hellspark Elemental. Sure, and draw a card. Yeah, you know. That's relevant. Yeah, interesting. That's you got to kill Steplings. <laughs> right. You know, there's a lot of apparently there's a lot of zero ones right now, so maybe it's worth it. Huh. Or is in, in a pinch if you need to take out that wall of tango cord, get right if, through if, there. <laughs> if Dorn ever becomes a real deck again, then you know it's great. Right. Actually, there was a, I was just reading about. I think in that article I I, I linked you guys to that. Uh, Dorn took first in. Uh, was that in Japan? 
Japanese PTQ, but there's an interesting Doran deck. I'll, I'll go through it quickly, and then maybe we can move on from Extended, but it has another target for you, too, Devoted Druid. Um, it's got three of those, two Chameleon Colossus, three Bane Slayers, four Dorans, four uh, Sable Stags, four Hierarchs, two Shriekmas, three Tide Skull Hullers, uh, two Elspeths, two Maelstrom Pulse, two Makeshift Mannequins, Interesting. Uh, three paths and three profane commands. That's awesome. That that's getting played again. Um, so maybe Doran is on. Doran is going to come back. This is actually kind of a weird Doran deck though because there's not a lot of. It's just kind of like a five-five legendary for three. There's not a lot of. Uh, I guess other things out there. For and it. I think I think that's how you have to run it right now. I mean, the problem, the reason that Doran deck was good at Amsterdam was you had Tarmogoyf. So. Like with the, the you had the Doran combo of the zero of the Harbinger and Doran, but other than that, that was the only creature that needed Doran in play. Everything else was, I mean, Tarmogoy is slightly better with Doran in play. It becomes like a five-five instead of a four-five, but it's that's like not hugely different. And then right now, you just don't have any good two drops that fill that same spot of being an efficient beater with or without Doran in play. And people kept trying to play stuff like Grizzled Layout too, and. Right. And like these, just like you know, like well, I'll just play Sig because then Sig's a three-three who draws right. cards. And then you know, and t- if we were to get you know one more, like good, good creature that's that's good both uh, either way, then you can get go back to the Harbinger Dorm. But it really is just missing one creature. So if you're playing it right now, it probably is better to just play it as black, green, white, good stuff, and just hope that you know you have good you have good removal spells, good discard. You're a little more mid-range, and I generally like decks to be, but. You know, you, all your cards are really good. Mm-hmm. I like seeing Profane Command back, and I think, and I, I like seeing Elspeth. Elspeth is just such a strong card. I, uh, I, I want to move on from Extended, but Elspeth reminds me I want to talk about one more deck, which is White Weenie. And a couple episodes, uh, Greg, will remember we had Max on discussing it, and he is not a big fan of White Weenie in this format and thought it didn't have a very strong chance, but I still like it. I think it has also some versatility and a lot of strength. Um, what are your thoughts on, on White Weenie before we move on, Sam? I lost... I, I, I played Naya, and I lost the first round of Blue-White, which happens. I mean, they're good against creature decks. My third, my second loss was to White Weenie in, like, the third round, mm-hmm. and it was the most heartbreaking thing in the world. Like, I, 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 the first game, I won. Second game, I just got run over. With White Weenie got its White Weenie draw. The third game, I got out Spike... Uh, uh, I got Collar Mage out, and, or uh, Spark Mage's Collar, and so I'm at, like... 10 life, and I just keep killing guys and get up to, like, almost 20 life, but he has, forged, like, two Forge Enders out, so I can't actually attack him. Mm-hmm. And I've just been drawing nothing but bricks. Then he plays, like, another Ranger and gets a figure and another Forge Tender, mm-hmm. and then basically uh, plays some Spectral Possessions, then finally plays that stuff out after he has more lands out, and I'm just not getting anything. He manages to save his figure from the Collar Spark Mage long enough to level it up all the way. <laughs> Like, I mean, it was just like, I, I was just, my mind was blown. And then he ended up top decking Braid the Elements to kill me in the last turn for exactly 20 or something. <laughs> so, like, I oh uh, I hate God. the deck out because of that. But I think that, I mean, I think it's an okay deck. <laughs> I think that it's, I'm not sure how well positioned it is, uh, just because I, I'm seeing more and more Wraths getting played. Before, well, all you really had to worry about was Volcanic Fallout, and now I'm actually seeing, like, Decks playing like legitimate Wrath of God again. Well, it can run. It can run memory memory lapse, right? It can run memory lapse. Like I really don't like three minute memory lapses, but I mean I've seen people blown out by it. I think I, I think memory lapse can just be one of those super swingy cards, but uh, but yeah, I mean it can also be kind of dead. Let's. Uh... But it's good against mono red. 
it's really good against mono red. It's really it's it's probably fairly good against fairies, just because of the speed. So I mean, it, it could really be a legitimate deck. Okay, well, uh, Greg, did you want to ask one more question before I move on? Um, yeah, there's there's another deck that um, I haven't really heard anything about in a while, which is why I bring it up. So I, I have a link in the uh, in a little com- chat here. The first the first deck there is the uh, Master of Ethereum uh, Steel Overseer deck. <laughs> um, are you familiar with this list, Sam? Yeah, I hate that deck. So, so. <laughs> I've heard that a lot. I want to know why, um, and, and I want to make a comparison, and I want you to to tell me if it's if it's if it's a fair comparison or or not. Um, the comparison is between this deck and the um, the Knight of the Holy Relic deck that is currently in standard. Is this to extended what that is to standard? I don't think so. Like I feel like this deck. It reminds me of the giant baiting deck from Lorwyn. Where if you if nobody is prepared for it at all and nobody knows about it, then it can just comes out of nowhere and beat you. But I feel like I feel like the thing with the 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 quest for the Holy Relic deck is that it's good right now because there aren't Wrath of Gods in extend or in type two. I mean everyone's you know, the people who are playing blue are playing blue black, who sure. who have a h- harder time dealing with this sort of just onslaught of small guys. So even if you don't get your combo off, you know, you can just got you can just go like, you know, well, all of a sudden, you're just like turn one. You you play out like two or three guys, and you just sort of incrementally get them low enough that you draw a sword in the middle of the game, like and and that can kill them. But like I just feel like this the steel the tempered steel deck like the I, it, it plays a, cu- a couple do nothings. You know, it's got stuff like springleaf drum. Um, I feel like it's not. You know, if once your opponent has artifact and enchantment removal, which people do now, and they didn't at the, at, at worlds, you know, if they kill if they kill one tempered steel, a lot of times you're just not you just don't have enough gas to actually win the game. Um, you know, the the environment is just slightly different from the world's environment. You know, like you like how does that deck how how do you want to answer mythic inscription? You know, how what do you what answers do you have to that deck? You know, other than I've seen I've seen a list of it. That is playing Zealous Persecution, which might make it, you know, more of a tier one deck if it can start hating on the all the decks that are just full of zero ones. But I just, I just don't feel like the deck is quite fast enough now. I don't feel, I feel like the draws are incredibly inconsistent. Right. You know, you there's so many times you start off with a, a great seven and then you draw like Mox Springleaf Drum, you know, Memnite. Like, wow, that, yeah. you know, like what, like there are decks that have great top decks. And like it's like like fairies like every turn you draw a card of fairies it doesn't matter if it's a land it's a great card <laughs> right. you know like every single turn of fairies you're just drawing awesome cards you know you just don't like there's so many t- draws that you have these cards you're like I really want this card in my opener but I never want to see them for the rest of the match or like you know I really want to draw this card but I don't want to have it in my opening hand and I feel like that happens a lot with a tempered steel deck like you get like this opening hand of like two of like two tempered steels and no creatures well you kind of have to keep it because the deck doesn't mulligan well. And so you end up keeping it, and then you draw like you know, uh, like you don't draw anything, or you you get opening hands of all these creatures but no lords, or God forbid your only lord is you know, steel overseer who just dies, and then you're just stuck with a bunch of one ones and two twos, and you're just hoping that somehow that's enough to take it down. So I mean, I, and I think that even as a, even on the budget deck compendium, like it has just given up its spot completely to mono red. You know, mono red's like you know under a hundred bucks, 
and you have a deck that is completely competitive, it's winning PTQs, it's, it's making top eights, and it just costs next to nothing. So if, if, if you're saying, well, I want to play a deck that, you know, because I understand Extended has gotten pretty expensive again. Like, it was cheap for a, a, for a hot second, and now everything, like, Thoughtseize is over 30 again. So, you know, your option, yeah, your options for playing Extended, you know, all of a sudden, you know, if you, if you got in a couple months ago and you got Cryptics for, you know, just a couple bucks, like five bucks, that's fine. But now, you know, if you want to go build an Extended deck, like, you're not going to build Mythic Inscription. That deck's, like, still, you know, six, seven hundred dollars. You know, for a hundred dollars, you can put together a mono red. You can be completely competitive. You get a lot better top decks than uh, than the steel. You know, like what, with the exception of like mono red, you don't necessarily want to draw lands, a lot of lands. But every other card you draw is awesome. You know, every single card, gas. right? Every single card is either going to burn your opponent or is uh, a creature. You know, you don't have this risk of this drawing like turn eight thoughtsies. You know, sure. So. I think that, I, that, that that feels like a very good analysis of the deck, um, which is which is which is kind of what I was hoping for because I I hear a lot like pretty much everybody I talk to says that they hate the deck, and I I haven't really heard any good um, good explanations as to why it's just it's like well I don't know and. Uh, yeah, I think that was pretty pretty solid. I think Thank the you. other reason people hate the deck, I mean, people can say the deck is not good to play or whatever, whatever, but I think the reason people really hate the deck is because they get blown out by it, because they shouldn't. And they just had that game where, you know, they got that nuts draw, and it happened to be that, you know, dice roll of a game, and, you know, that's that's the type of deck where it feels so... When, when it gets going, and Sam, I don't know if this is the case with you, but I think with most people that actually hate the deck as opposed to just think it's not as competitive as it once was, but actually hate it, it's like, oh, they just happened to get that nuts draw against me, and, you know, it's it's a very uninteractive, unfun type of game to play. Yeah, that happens to every deck, though. Like, you know, White Weenie, if, uh, or, or, or White Weenie or Boros, like, if they just go, you know, if they go turn one step lengths, turn two step lengths, turn three step lengths, and just keep dropping fetch lands, I mean... You know, unless you have a lot of spot removal, you're going to lose that game. Like, mm-hmm. and it, whether or not it's a good deck, you know, there are they're going to get these certain draws that are just, you know, all of a sudden they're attacking. You know, they get you at a four on turn three. You know, like how do you how do you how, you know how do you beat that? Like, I might you know, I happen to have you know a coming to play tap land, and all of a sudden I'm at eight life. Well, and I feel mm-hmm. like I feel like the tempered steel deck has more of a chance to do that and play unfair in the winning games than it than other decks do when they win. Like the percentage is higher. Oh yeah, like there are a lot of just ridiculous draws with Tempered Steel deck that you know, and I think again because people were not running the same removal and there was a lot less because people were concerned about killing fairy stuff and not necessarily killing or killing Jun stuff and not necessarily killing like one drops. That yeah, oh my god, like there were just so many draws where with Tempered Steel where you just go turn one three guys, turn two Tempered Steel. You know, most decks are not very well equipped to deal with that. And so you do, you're right, the, the decks where you win, the games where you win, sometimes you just win by such a margin that, you know, it's it just mind-blowing. And one of the things about Magic, and really just anything else with, with the way that the human mind works, is that you remember those ridiculous blow-up games so well. <laughs> like, when, you, when you're playing a match, and you, you know, either you're getting blown out or you're blowing someone else out, and it's just not even a game, like, you remember that much more than the, than the game that, like, kind of... You know, you, you had an early lead, then it sort of ground out, and then somewhere in the middle, like, something happened. Like, you drew a, a – they killed your first temper steal, then you drew a second one, and you managed to, like, just barely squeak it by. Like, you don't think about the fact that if I didn't draw that temper steal, there was no way I was winning the game. You just thought, okay, that's just how the deck plays out. But, 
you know, and, you know, it doesn't necessarily feel good or bad, but like, man, when you get that hand where you're just, you know, turn two tempered steel, turn three tempered steel, and you have like four guys in play, you feel like a big man. Mm-hmm. Like you are, you are, you are just feeling, you're at the top of your, you're at the top of the world. You just, you know, you want to just run around and high five people. And people like that. I mean, everyone loves those decks that, that just go completely off. I think, you know, like green white tokens, when you get the, the, the turn two Emrakul, like you just want to just basically do a victory lap around the whole tournament. You know, because you just you just did it. You just had the most fun in your life, and you know people like doing decks like that. They don't like decks where just stuff happens for eight or nine turns and nothing really is exciting. I think we've dedicated a good amount of the show to extended. Um, should we continue moving on? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> um, there's sorry. There's just a, there's just a, an amusing. Um, a brief amusing conversation on on Skype. Um, though we were totally still listening to Stod because I totally agree. When you turn to an Emrakul, you have to like get up and say, "Yeah, yeah, that just happened. That just happened." But at the same, but at the same time, um, we were having a, we were having a very brief conversation about Jarrett's name. Jarrett, Jarrett has an has an interesting spelling of his name, and uh, um, Jonathan keeps typing it incorrectly. Well, I had I had the hardest time when I first met Jarrett and uh, uh, wanted to become like Facebook friends with him. I couldn't find him on. I thought he was like had <laughs> uber like difficult um, privacy settings. And in fact, I just was spelling his name like atrociously poorly. Even I, every, I think like, he did that earlier years. too. Yeah, did all that. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it was just a quick aside, but okay. we can uh, we totally uh, move on. Yeah, let's move um, on because we gotta were there, we gotta get rolling. Were there any PTQ specific conversation um, um, things you wanted to, to get into, Jonathan? No, I think we should uh, we should move on to our next topic. Um, okay, we have sweet. Uh, Grand Prix Atlanta um, coming up. Uh, actually, is that next week already? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, that it's, is next week. Holy it's next weekend. Okay, Sam, so, are you going? No, I'm not going. You know that whole having a job thing makes it hard to travel a lot. You got to join, you know, the that growing number of Americans that don't have that problem, Mr. Scott. <laughs> I'm trying as hard as possible not to. <laughs> um, Jared, how about you? Are you going to be attending? Um, I I applied to judge it, uh, and me and Greg were talking about going, but they never got back to me. So, nope. And, okay, and. and- is, I'm, I'm just asking because I'm not sure. To judge it out there, do you do they pay for travel? Um, there's you can like you can volunteer for just to judge it, or you can apply for room sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Um, like with Denver, uh, they approve my room sponsorship, so they're paying for the hotel. Uh, the only way they pay for travel is like level three judges at pro tours and stuff. Like they'll fly you out and stuff. Well. Greg, you're definitely going. So um, I'm not. I'm actually not going. You're not so, going. Uh, so yeah. So all nobody's going to Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a sad story. Then should we just move on? It is. I think that we that we should. Everyone who's going to Atlanta, we're jealous, and uh, you guys should have the best of luck there. Um, yeah. Well, none of us get to go. Yeah. Sad yeah. panda. I thought you were um, going to that. No, I mean, I was. I, I was. Like, I was actually expecting to end up going, but I, ne- I, I didn't make any specific plans. Um, and I, I actually, I kept kind of like, I was hoping that somebody was going to talk me into it. I was, just, I was really sluggish throughout this entire extended format of really just kind of taking the leap and, and getting interested in it. And I, I think I took that leap uh, about three days after I decided to not go. 
Um, actually, um, our friend Rob Bergman uh, basically talked me into being excited about um, a number of different decks and and actually testing. That was the big thing is that I didn't feel like there was anybody in Milwaukee that had any interest in testing extended. And uh, um, yeah, I just I don't know. I, I think that I've, I've taken that that uh, that turn and uh, hopeful. And, and the big part of that was actually Denver because I'm super excited about Denver, which is what I think we should talk about next. Um, um, Denver is a sealed format. It scars besieged, and then the PTQ. If if you go in the PTQ on, in the, sec- the the last day, if you don't make day two, is is actually extend, extended PTQ because it's it's still extended PTQ season. So the reality is, I would I would want to be prepared for any iteration of of entertainment I would have there, and I definitely need to be um, prepared for the extended season. So um, yeah, I mean I'm. I'm uber excited about Denver. Uh, it's, it's coming up in a couple Same. weeks here. Uh, before we go into anything else, though, I think we need to go into some good news, which is Greg's uh, tearing it up at the Grand Prix trial. Yeah, so there was there was a um, a GPT that apparently was actually on the dockets like months ago um, that nobody knew about um, because we uh, have I think kind one, of a lazy organizer. I think but one person knew about it. <laughs> It's just the fact yeah. that sharing that information with other people—that's the issue. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because that, that's that's effort. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was actually—I um, found some information online um, um, about about GPTs, and it's like, oh, well, so I guess anybody can really host them. So I went to one of the organizers that has hosted a GPT in the past, and I said, hey, you should do a GPT for Denver. Well, apparently, he already had one scheduled that he didn't tell anybody about. Um, so subsequent to my asking him, he like created an event and basically said, "Well, you guys should help promote this for me," which is well, it we, is what let's it is, just I guess. say it like but, this: we're not recording until now, which is a day after yeah. the event. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we when we would, we definitely would have plugged it because I mean I I would have loved to have like a million people at this GPT because that means there's more more buys um, to go around and everything. But uh, yeah, so the, the turnout wasn't 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 fantastic. But uh, nevertheless, um, how many people we, did there did they end up getting? There were there were there were thirteen warm bodies. Wow. Yeah. Exactly. And we thought that PTQ was soft. <laughs> <laughs> what is what does thirteen warm bodies mean? Um, that, that we had thirteen people. There were there were also <laughs> okay. it's actually the the, the the rest the non-playing staff there? that was there <laughs> was anyone chilly? Um, <laughs> no, there were there was um, Dom actually showed up to to judge the event, which was 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 pretty fantastic. That's cool. Um, Dom was one of our legendary local judges. Yeah, he um he's he's a former level level two or level three that has um they kind of went away from from judging but is is now level one um I guess again and uh, yeah it was it was it was it was pleasant having having a judge in that store that uh, clearly had um knew both the current IPG but also had had some experience which was which was pretty pleasant um and then uh, there was also this other person that was kind of hanging out with Dom the whole day that I, I didn't recognize, um, but I think that he, he was maybe shadowing him or something. Um, and then there were two, two people that worked for the store and then um, a pretty well-known, um, pretty well-known, not store owner, but a guy that, 
that deals in cards that uh, you see frequently in a number of different uh, larger events was was also there. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Um, it wasn't Damien, um, but anyway. So there were there were like there was there was like six people that weren't playing. Um, so the the amount of people that were in the building versus uh, actually playing the GPT was was amusing. But nevertheless, um, Wait, so it was were, four rounds, cut to top were? eight. So literally, we cut to uh, to cut. Um, we played four rounds to cut five players. Um, so the, was, so there, were, there were five people playing in the tournament. I mean, excuse me, there were thirteen people in the tournament, and then there was like a bunch of people that were just there dealing or something. Yeah, just well for for various other reasons. I I just described the, the people. Um, there weren't there weren't people in addition to who I just said, but like I said, there was just the judges and, and the the staff for the actual store because Jeff showed up and Garrett was there, and just it was it was just amusing how like the ratio was was two to yeah. one players non players. Oh, it was two to one. Okay, that's that's what I was getting at. Okay, gotcha. That's funny. Um. Anyway, so so yeah, thirty player GPT sulk, but uh, um, leading up to the event, given the fact that the event had. Um, one week notice from the time we found out about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that 13 was actually pretty good for what was just a scars sealed, um, which is something that is is fairly stale given the fact that we're in a large set. Um, and and in, 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 in like three weeks before the next set, so there's really not a lot of people that want to play scars in general, let alone sealed. Right. So. Uh, like I said, I thought 13 was actually decent given that. But uh, what was the uh, uh, pool that you opened, or that you played my, with, rather? My the, my pool was was pretty atrocious. Um, I I did have I did have a I had two infect bombs, and I kind of forced infect as a result, which is I think it's I I really never do that when it comes to sealed um, with infect, but I but I gave it a shot. Um, I had I had up putrefacts and I had a hand of praetors, but I didn't have um, I didn't have the re- redundant plague stingers or or cis bears or corpsecurs or, or or anything like that. So I really had to 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 get a little fancy with with the list that I came up with. Um, I could actually probably get it if anybody really cared, um, and we could put it in the show notes. But sure, no um, I like I said I kind of I kind of forced I forced those those bombs, um, and I. I lost my first round to another Infect deck that actually had um, what seemed like infinite. Um, what's it? That, what's the instance that puts two insects in a place? Um, Carrion call. Yeah. So so he 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 literally played on turn. Um, he, he played in two successive turns. Um, make two dudes. Make two dudes. And it was uh, it was it was a beating that I couldn't couldn't really come back from. Did he have so? Did he have um, the uh, the XO spell, the fireball? Um, he 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 didn't have he didn't have one. I didn't have one either, which is a big part of what, what why I'm saying I forced it because I didn't I didn't have that that kind of explosiveness. Um, but uh, but what he did is he he had so many guys, and he had he, he had um. Tumble magnet and in different ways of, of, of making the count even more more of a disparity. Um, yeah, he it was it was actually very well played. Um, and then so I, I so I lost there and then went on to um, to win my my next two rounds, including being um, um, 
a friend a friend from uh, GU Ryan who went to Nashville not in our car but was the other like Milwaukee um, Milwaukee car that went to Nashville and uh, uh, that was a very very close match um, there was a there was an issue in our third in our third game where he presented a 38 card deck he actually exiled three cards from a, a Nims spell bomb um, and he put them not in the exile zone, but like way off to the side on the right, and then didn't put him back in. So he pile shuffled. It's actually it's actually a really frustrating situation because he pile shuffled before each game, and he had 41 cards, so he had this one extra one. Um, and before the third game, when he pile shuffled, he didn't have the extra one, and he's like, "What the fuck?" And he's like, "Oh, it's because I have like six piles instead of five or something," and that just that didn't seem quite right to me, so I was like, whatever, um, and then I, I pile shuffled it, and I'm like, it's 38 cards, Ugh. so, um, I asked Dom, and he's like, well, like, uh, let me count this real, right, real quick, and when, when he sat down to the left of us to count it, we saw in front of him was this pile of, of three cards, and, and, uh, quickly the match was over. We played again, though, and I, I, I would have, I would have won, um, the match anyway, because we played the exact. Basically, we we played as if it hadn't happened, even though it was reported. Um, so anyway, we both. He ends up winning his last round. I ended up um, getting faced against Rhino, who had an insane pool and was three zero at that point, and we could draw into uh, into top eight with with uh, with my six points going into that round, which was pretty amusing. But anyway, so uh, in top eight, um, Rhino gets paired against uh, Matt Frywald, who's another. Um, a uh, Milwaukee PTQ grinder. Frywald actually manages to uh, upset Rhino's insane cough-filled pool to um, to to kind of open up the top eight to the rest of us. Um, I play Ryan again in the first round of top eight, um, beat him in two, go on to play Frywald, uh, beat him in two, and then in, in the finals against Mitch, uh, I took it home. So. I've got three buys. Woo. Oops, had my mute button on. That's awesome, and uh, congratulations uh, again to you, to Greg, for that. That's great. Um, and uh, Sam, if you don't mind me asking, I'm just curious, what? Uh, how many buys are you at with your rating? Uh, just one. Okay, and are you going to GP Dever? Nope. I the probably the only uh, unless anything changes, probably the only Grand Prix I'll hit up this year is uh, Pittsburgh. Just because it's you know it's close enough that that I can drive there and not have to take any time off work or anything like that. Hmm. Yeah, we're. I'm planning on going to a number of events this year. Um, Kansas City, for sure. I'm pretty much like I. I'm. I had so much fun during Scars Field, which is just an ironic point. But I had so much fun that I. I, I currently intend on going to all sealed Grand Prix on into you know time. <laughs> so definitely, definitely looking for Kansas City and Denver this year, and uh, and going to flirt with some of the other um, some of the other tournaments. Maybe maybe Texas. Uh, I think Dallas has a standard uh, GP, and then uh, San Francisco Worlds is that San Francisco. Sam, are you going to you going to try to go to Worlds? I am going to try to go to Worlds. Okay. Uh, I've been to the last time, the last few times Worlds is in uh, the U.S. and I had great fun both times. So, yeah, that because that uh, people have been buzzing a little bit recently about that, and that just sounds like an absolute riot. Uh, it's a ways away, obviously, 
um, it's, Worlds is is not going to be held until um, the end, basically the the end of the next format, the beginning of, of you know after the set that comes um, after M12. So it's I mean it's it's basically a year away, obviously. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm pretty excited for that, and then maybe go to now that there's all the PTs are all the pro tour events are going to be um, Magic weekends and have GPs with them as well. That's something that I think that I might uh, I might check out. And is that is that what you're referring to with Pittsburgh? Is that is that no no no? Actually, that that is only, that was that's only for Paris. That's something that they're okay. trying out. And I think that oh. I mean because we don't know how it's going to turn out. Like sure, so 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 maybe maybe not. Right. Well, Pitts- Pittsburgh is the week before Philadelphia. <laughs> Ironic. Okay. So, well, it's they. I mean, they, they always like to have a Grand Prix the week before a Pro Tour in the same area, so that you know, like uh, community grind. Right. So you, you'll have people like who are flying in from other countries. They can fly into Philadelphia or whatever. Or they can go from Pittsburgh, fly into Pittsburgh, play the Grand Prix, go to Philadelphia, then fly back. So they, you know, it gives them two events within a week for all the. The people are, you know, high-level pros. And people, uh, I know PV was recently talking about how he's not coming to Atlanta because it just was going to cost them like $1,500. Well, when you're already going to a pro tour, it's not if, you know, someone like PV who's flying from South America, so it costs a lot more, it's easier for him to hit up the, you know, to hit up at least, you know, three or four Grand Prix a year just through going to pro tours a week early and, and, and doing that than sure. doing that. But we'll see how, how Paris goes. I've got a feeling it's going to be, I don't want to say a disaster, but I know, like, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. Like, there's no LCQs for Paris, probably because of the Grand Prix. The Grand Prix registration is ends on Friday, so you can't, like, show up Saturday morning and get in the Grand Prix. So we'll we'll see how that whole thing goes. But I'm hoping that next year we do get more of those Magic Weekends, because I think that just sounds, like, that just sounds so much more awesome than just having the Pro Tour. Do you know what, is, is that... Is that because they want to limit the size of, of the events? I mean, do you know do you know why those those two comments you made in terms of the elimination of the last chance qualifier? Well, you well, actually you, you said that you think it's because of the GP, but I, I think it's the I think registration. The, I think the, it's all logistics. Like is it, they, is it, it's logistics of the size of of a given Magic tournament. They don't want it to be too large, or is it because um, Paris in particular has some space issues? I don't, I don't know that, but I think that what they don't want to have happen is like have a thousand pre-registers on, you know, on Friday, and then Saturday there's a thousand people waiting, another like fifteen hundred people waiting to get in, and I think that between the Pro Tour and the Grand Prix, there, there's probably going to be a huge uh, st- stress on the judging staff, and there's just so much stuff going on. I think that this, this is really the canary where they got to see how well this goes because like if they do it again, like if they were to do it in, you know, in Pittsburgh or something. Or Philadelphia, you know, well, they might need to have, you know, an extra, you know, 60, 70 judges more than they would for just a Grand Prix or just a Pro Tour. Sure. So, so I mean, I think that they're they're going to see how well this goes, and they do probably want to limit it a little bit. You know, they want more people playing Magic, but they also want to know the night before how many tables are needed. Are is it, is it? Yeah, it's sealed. So, how many sealed decks are needed? All that kind of stuff. They want to know that ahead of time, so it's not like there. There's not a lot of scrambling the day of to make sure everything works, and having to, you know, work on all these logistics in the morning, which is going to just delay the start time and, and make it harder for everything to compete. Like they don't, they definitely do not want Paris to run a lot. You know, they don't want this. I think the the Grand Prix to run way too late on day one because that's going to really impact 
how the Pro Tour and the Grand Prix goes on day two. You know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and uh, and that that is going to be interesting Especially. to see how that yeah logistics change will uh, affect um, future events. I think it's an interesting experiment, and, they, and you know. It's just kind of a, a trial and error game at this point. Um, moving along, I think we're all looking forward to mixing up standard. I think we can all agree extended is a healthy format right now. And uh, we can all say, even Greg, that we're really looking forward to the next set coming out and mixing up the sealed season for uh, Scars. Uh, it's kind of gotten to that point where it's you know stagnant. we got to move on, so that's exciting to come out. Um, any last thoughts, fellas, before I want to wrap up today's, uh, also got to the, kind of got to the two-hour mark, at least as long as we've been on here, so did not make our, our goal for today. But. So we're going to wrap up. Yes, so we're going to wrap up. Uh, Sam, uh, first of all, anyone who's not familiar with your show, once again, has got to listen to it. It is phenomenal. Definitely one oh, of the thank best you. three on the networks. Uh, on the network, um, and I, I listen to yours immediately as it's downloaded. You also have a phenomenal uh, Twitter account, which I follow, and you are among one of my top Magic followers. I love your tweets. So, uh, where can the people find you at on Twitter? Uh, I'm Sam Stod, S A M S T O D, on okay. Twitter. And is there any other plugs you want to give? Any yeah, uh, I, I I write on Star City Games. Um, it's not a weekly thing usually because I just don't have enough to do uh, enough to, to like sort of get out. But usually uh, once every other week or so, I have a, an article up there, so check those out. Is that on the premium or paid side? I mean, excuse uh, me, free side. Uh, it's on the free side. Oh, great. Okay, and um, any books coming out? Uh, new movies you're starring in, or any other books <laughs> you want to give? Or? No, I, I have not gotten on the ebook uh, train just yet, so I'll, I'll let the. God, Chapin has one. Who else has one now? Jerry Menendian. T. Flores. has one, right. Flores has one. Jerry T. is coming out with one. Somebody else, like I think one of the Ruels or someone is coming out with one. So I have not gotten onto that train yet, but I'm sure sometime in the next two years you can read my ebook or something. I don't know. Okay, so we're going to give a preordained plug for it. We're, just, we're, we're tapping that blue, we're looking at the top two, and, and we're going to see what we draw. Um, but there will be a book coming out sometime probably just depends on the top of the deck. Very good. Uh, Jared, how about you? Uh, do you want to give any uh, place, any any plugs or shout-outs or anything? Um, not really. I mean, I'm on Twitter, but I'm not really anybody in the Magic community yet. So. Well, we'll see. After that level 2 judge test, how that goes. Yeah, for sure. Then you're going to be balling hardcore, brother. <laughs> All right. Uh, and Greg, um, I don't have any final thoughts to wrap up. How about you? Not really. I'm just I'm 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 excited to go to some more uh, some bigger events and actually just to play a little bit of extended. Um, some of these cards seem like a lot of fun. Yeah, and but, extended uh, is is one of the healthiest. I think it's definitely one of the healthiest constructed formats we've seen in a long time. There's so much options and still room for innovation. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, no, that seems that seems like a pretty fair assessment of the format. Um, if you want to get a hold of us. Uh, it's pretty straightforward. We use four spikes for pretty much everything. So we're on Twitter, four spikes, email, four spikes at gmail.com, Facebook, search four spikes. And then, um, our, our kind of our flagship is, uh, MTG cast. Uh, you can, you can download us on there or, or on iTunes, I believe. So, uh, yeah, check us out. All right. How do we want to wrap the show up today? Ooh, <laughs> let's put some on spot. <laughs> Sam. I, I can give you a sweet uh, Nashville judge story. 
Yes, please. Ooh. We love judge Go stories. Ahead. Okay. Um so while going through the deck lists of like the sealed for the main event, uh somebody got a match loss uh for <laughs> I guess the pool was pretty crazy. Uh they wrote like a bunch of exclamation points and like circled worm coil engine and wrote grats on top eight uh on it. <laughs> and I'm I'm told this was Evan Irwin. But but I, I can can't. Con- I can confirm that. Oh wow. Nice. Okay, well, hilarious. he uh, definitely got a match loss for outside interference. <laughs> or outside uh, assistance. Really? Oh, yeah. oh, because he's saying play this worm coil engine. Yep, yep. That's I guess, hilarious. I guess you have to do that, but that's also hilarious and someone getting punished for being funny. It's kind of one of those things, like, America has a lot of those. It's like, we have, like, a bunch of laws that, like, they trump common sense, but we have to kind of have them for society to run. Actually, I don't know if we have to have them or not, but we kind of do. <laughs> but they're like, it's like, of, you know... He's just having fun, and it's hilarious, and Worm Coil Engine is an auto-include in any deck, period. On the other hand, you know, you use Slippery Slope and da-da-da, but it's just kind of like one of those American, uh, American, you know, we have, we have lots of laws like that, where it's just like, okay, you know, common sense got totally pwned by the law. Okay, so lesson to take home is don't be funny, don't even try to. <laughs> <laughs> At right. least not with us. <laughs> uh, and uh, thanks, everyone, so much for listening. Uh, we will speak to you soon. Adios.